there's some weird things going on in the federal government. And this is normal. <laughs> uh, not that the federal government is weird all the time, but December is always a particularly strange month after elections because some people have lost their jobs. Some new people are coming in. Majorities might change. And as you know, Democrats lost their majority in the House and something strange just happened in the Senate where Kristen Sinema, the senator, the former Democratic senator from Arizona, just says she's no longer a Democrat. She's an independent, which kind of takes that vote down potentially. But I want to tell you really one big thing that's going to change and how we should really respond to it. It's the next two years, at least, are going to be wildly different in Washington, D.C. Let me unpack and explain it. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The, the, the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. After all of the elections are said and done, Normally, you get in December, and it's a real month of transition in Washington, D.C., because you'll get new senators, new congresspeople coming to town, uh, getting their offices, trying to get new apartments to live in. The outgoing people who've lost their jobs or retired are packing up and are getting out. And normally, almost every time, something changes. Someone loses their majority in the House or someone loses their majority in the Senate or there's a brand new presidential administration. Rarely when you have elections, does everything stay the same where it's everybody, every every group stays in power. That's not normally how it goes. And that's not how this is going to go. Of course, Democrats still maintain the White House. They will barely maintain their lead in the Senate. As I just said, Arizona's Senator Kristen Sinema just announced that she is no longer identifying herself as a Democrat. It's fishy that she waited until Raphael Warnock won to do such a thing. Um, I, I don't know. Her timing is suspect to me. I don't have a lot of respect for her. Um, you know, she way, way back in the day, she used to be really progressive. Now she's maybe one of the two or three most conservative, I was going to say Democrats, but, you know, one of the most conservative people on the left. And so because she doesn't really identify as Democrat or Republican, and Arizona is a state that has a history of so-called independent senators, going back to John McCain and others. So with her not officially being a Democrat, that changes some things in the Senate. So the Senate it was going to be close whether it was 51-49 or 50-50, but Democrats lost their majority in the House. And already, Republicans are scrambling to see who is going to be their speaker. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is saying he's going to run or he is running, but he's struggling to get the 218 votes that he needs. And so what we have now is a Republican party that is still deeply infatuated with Donald Trump. As you see, very few Republicans have called Trump out for literally having 
lunch with a white supremacist, a neo-Nazi, on his property, of all, of all places, uh, because Trump still has major juice in the party. He has significantly less power because he's obviously no longer president. Almost none of his candidates won in November, and that has lessened him as well. But as of right now, he's still the most powerful Republican. And the most conservative Republicans in the House are basically saying that if you don't put them in charge of certain committees, they're not going to vote for the current, the, the person running for Speaker of the House for Republicans, Kevin McCarthy. And so it's suspected that some of the most conservative, also bigoted, ignorant Republicans on the far right are going to really be in power. And what that's basically going to mean is that there really are only three ways that you can get good things done with deeply conservative Republicans controlling the House. Right after this break, I'm going to quickly tell you those three things that I'm going to wish you a very, very happy weekend. I'll be right back. You know, I said three ways, but I, I want to add like maybe a three B. I'll, I'll add that thing now before I say the three things. Democrats have about a month in what's called a lame duck session where they need to try to pass as many bills as possible before Republicans take over. And I'm hoping that Democrats from Joe Biden in the Senate and the House, I'm hoping they take advantage of this month and use it really, really well to make as many appointments and do as many things as they can. After that, there are really three ways that we're going to see change happen on the government level over the next two years. First, Joe Biden is going to have to use his executive power more than he's ever used it. He's going to have to, you know, author and issue executive orders on a level that he's never had to do over the past two years. I'm hoping and praying and believing that he's going to use that power. That's number one. Um, secondly, there are some things that you can get done with just the White House and the Senate, primarily judicial appointments. Again, Joe Biden needs to push on the gas with all judicial appointments because that can get done with just the Senate and the House. It's going to be very little legislation that passes. And so getting bills passed will not be fully impossible, but damn near. Which takes me to the third thing, which is always my thing. Most change over the next two years that doesn't come from executive orders, that doesn't come from uh, Joe Biden working with uh, of the Democratic-controlled Senate, most change is going to be local. It's going to be on the city level, the county level, and the state level. And that affects you, and it affects me. And so over these next two years, it's not that we can't pay attention to what happens in Washington, D.C., but most change is going to happen in your town. 
in your city, in your county, and sometimes in your state, depending on where you live. But I hope over the next two years that you'll begin to reorient your mind to say, how can I impact change in my city, in my county, in my state? What legislation can we pass on the city or county level, on the state level? What bills can we pass? What new laws can we advocate for? What policies can we fight for? What appointments should we fight for? And so change is not going to stop. It's just going to be different over the next two years. Listen, I love and appreciate all of you. Thank you so much for your support this week. I'm actually going back for another surgical procedure next Wednesday. And we're going to try to record some of those episodes in advance so that we don't miss out. But just love and appreciate all of you. Have a great, great weekend. And if you're not yet a member of the North Star, please go now to the northstar.com and join today. Take care, everybody. Break it down. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we are the Momentum Advisors. Every single week, we talk about wealth management, personal finance, and entrepreneurship. We are financial advisors by day. We're entrepreneurs by night. We're building wealth for ourselves, and we want to make sure that you understand how to build wealth in your own family. Tune in for shows like Is Your Money Racist, Retirement Savings, Investment 101. We literally run the gamut on all the things that you need to know about financial wealth, creating a legacy for your family, and really just wealth creation as a whole. What we find is that these conversations are happening, but they're not happening as much as they need to in diverse communities. And so we're bringing a new voice, a new amount of energy, and we want you to tune in. So we bring the tips, we bring the strategy, and we always bring the good news. So make sure you tune in every week to the Momentum Advisors. There's something for everyone. Mom.